0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Coming to y'all here on a Saturday night after what was a, an exciting Saturday of college lacrosse. Another exciting weekend of action. Obviously, still have games to go tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about those on Tuesday's show, uh, and especially so a big one there with Syracuse-Hobart and Jacksonville and Utah, the two kind of main games there on Sunday. So we'll talk about those on Tuesday, not today. Um, But what we will talk about today is the Ivy League. The Ivy League had a, a big weekend. A really big weekend. Princeton knocks off Georgetown. Cornell beats Ohio State. Uh, and that's the game I was tuned into the most today. Uh, still got to go watch the Yale UMass game in its entirety. Caught the ending of it there. Matt Brandow calls a game. And overtime. Dartmouth gets a win. Brown storms back in the second half to be Providence 22-10, and Harvard uh, holds off Fairfield in a win there as well, so <clears throat> the Ivy League goes 7-0 and on the day, very, very successful day for the conference as a whole, and especially those top two games, as I mentioned right off the top, Princeton and Cornell, let's dive into those two. Real quick, Hugh. Number eighteen ranked Princeton knocks off number three Georgetown. First top three upset of the year. Biggest win for the Tigers of the season. Obviously, they're coming off a coming into this game. We're coming off a loss, fifteen to ten against Maryland. <clears throat> And, look, this game was as even as even can get. Um, You know, with the exception of the 72% performance from James Riley at the face-off dot for the Hoyas, and with the exception of the uh, 22 turnovers for Georgetown, which really cost them 17 of which caused by Princeton, so a really good defensive day for the Tigers. Besides those two um, discrepancies, it was an even game, <clears> or <throat> oh, pretty even game, I should say. Princeton, Princeton outshot Georgetown forty to thirty seven. Put twenty six of those shots on cage. The Hoyas put twenty four of those shots on cage. The Hoyas won the ground ball battle thirty six to thirty three. And in the clearing game, um, 20 for 22 were the Tigers, over the Hoyers, and 24 for 28 was the Tigers, both goalies. Eric Peters, 16 saves in cage for Princeton. Owen McEvoy, 16 saves in cage for Georgetown. Um, <clears throat> now, I will say, Eric Peters does have a better second half and that really helped push Princeton over the edge there. He had 10 saves there in the second half alone. Uh, You also had Ben Finlay, huge day on the back end, two ground balls, four cause turnovers. Andrew Song, uh, same mark on the cause turnovers with three ground balls there at the LSM spot for the Tigers. So a huge defensive performance from Princeton. And that's really what pushes them over the edge in this one. This was a back-and-forth game, uh, really, the the entire way. It's 5-4, Princeton, at the half. And, <clears throat> you know, you had Graham Bundy with the first goal of the game. But, and that 1-0 lead is the only lead that Georgetown ever got. Uh, you, you had Sam English. Tally one, and then two more from Alex Slusher makes it three-one lead late in the first. Um, you know, Alex Trippy helps tie things up three-three with you know twelve seventeen in the second, and it's it's a five-four Princeton lead at the half, and then seven to six lead heading into the final period, <clears throat> where Princeton wins the game there, three to two in wins the quarter. 3 to 2 there in the fourth. Alex Slusher gets the final two goals of the game. He had himself a fantastic performance. Five goals on the day. Uh, Sam English, three goals, one assist for four points. So those two guys really stepping up once again for the Princeton offense. But this was an evenly matched game throughout with the exception of the Princeton defense. And we, we've normally seen Georgetown and their defense be dominant in these games. That that was not the case. Um, <clears throat> you did have McIlroy have a good game, as I mentioned, 16 saves. You did have Will Bowen uh, make some good plays in this one. Gibson Smith made some good plays in this one. But all in all, it was the Georgetown defense that really held them over in this one, and gets them this big win. Which, I, you know, I, I don't know a lot if a lot of people expected them to come into this game and outperform the Hoyas on the defensive end. I didn't, and I'm not sure that you can find many people that did. But the Tigers, they're able to do it. They get the victory here, and uh, look, they they were 18 uh coming into the week and the polls, they've gotta move up to the top ten, at least number ten. Uh I, I don't see any way they're not in the top ten on Monday. Cornell holds off. Ohio State in the second half moves to four and zero on the season. This was your good old back and forth battle here. Um 14-11, <clears throat> to 11, Cornell beats Ohio State, number 6 Ohio State, number 9 Cornell, Cornell, they're a the top 5 team, w- w- without a doubt, the Big Red are a top 5 team, they're 4-0 on the season, they have wins over Hobart, over Lehigh, and now over Ohio State, beat Albany in the opener, this was a game that we say lacrosse is a game of runs. If anything highlights that, it's 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 a game like this. First of all, I, I want to mention Jack Myers. Held with one point and uh, I think it was seven turnovers maybe. In this one, Gavin Adler, fantastic job on him. Gavin Adler, we talked about him last week a little bit, what he's done for this Cornell team uh throughout the season has been fantastic. And he just continues uh this impressive performance leading the way on the back end. Has a phenomenal game once again there on defense for the big red, holding Jack Myers to one point on the day. Um <clears throat> And, and look, this is a game in which I think we saw again. Cornell start slow. They come out. They're down 3 at the end of the first. But as we've seen, they settle in. They calm down. And they get to work. And th- this is a big red team that, look, th- they got much. Much of their success can be credited to the ride. They hold Ohio State to a 4-of-8 mark in the second and the fourth periods alone. So the second period and that final period, 4-of-8 in the the clearing game, Ohio State went in those two periods alone, 12-of-19 mark throughout the game. And Ohio State has 17 turnovers there Um, in this one as well. Really, really good game from Cornell in the ride. We mentioned Adler and that defense played very well again. But also Angelo Petrakis has a fantastic game here, 55% at the dot, 16 for 29. They're going against Justin Onasio, which I believe coming into the week he was the number one guy still uh, statistically speaking, in the country at the face-off dot. Uh, Might have been number two, but he was one of the top two guys for sure. And with that included Petrakis going three for four in the first and six for nine in the third. Um, and, and really, his success, as well as their success in the ride, helped, and, and defensively as well, with Adler and, and Irwin and those guys doing their jobs. Joseph uh, Botolo also had a strong game at LSM again. Two ground balls, three cause turnovers. Defensively, and faceoff dot, is what helped hold this Ohio State team at bay as best as they could in the first, in the third, when they went on that big run. Because Ohio State, you know, it this it's it's 7-4 at the half. Cornell goes on a seven-goal run in the in the second. And they're just, just churning out goals left and right. And then Ohio State was able to tie things up twice in the second half. The first time, 9-9, nine nine, thanks to a four-goal run. Features two from Jason Knox, including a man-up goal in the third. And... That third quarter, Ohio State comes back to life. They never really went away as they did in the second. Uh in that final period. You know, Aiden Blake puts puts Cornell Cornell up ten to nine at the end of the third, and then Ed Sheehan put in one early in the fourth to make it a ten ten game. That that point there early in the fourth would really be the last chance Ohio State ever had of getting back in this one. You get a four goal run, bookended by CJ Coast uh, to really seal the deal. Um, but then, like, it's 2.35 left in the game. There's still time left. Sheen gets another one there and makes it 14-11. to Still a three-goal game. You got 2.35 left. Um you can get some momentum you can get some opportunities um and that never came that never came uh won the ensuing faceoff cornell they didn't necessarily run out the clock obviously with 235 left but they went they run out the clock uh there was a couple shots cornell got off a couple shots ohio State got off and uh Irwin holds his place in cage katon johnson holds his place in cage on the other end, and things end, and, and it's a big one for Cornell here. I mentioned again, the ride, the face-off success, defense overall, and then this offense, again, just going in spurts. Now, I think what we need to see from Cornell moving forward is putting that offensive spurts together, putting those offensive spurts together and sustaining that throughout the game not just oh a good a good second period a good fourth sustain it and with this team that the at the way they're playing right now can beat anybody matt brandow calls game here against umass um both these teams look. I gotta go back and watch this full game, but I saw the end of it, and then bits and pieces of, of the second half. Um, both these teams coming off big losses, and look, they 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 both wanted it. The Shea Canelo Bowl is always fun. Uh, these two coaches, Andy Shea Coach under uh, Greg Canelo, uh, w- one of many. Great coaches in that Canelo coaching tree. So, these two know each other very, very well. These games are always fun, always exciting. And that's what today was. Uh, you know, Matt Brandau gets Leo Johnson. The shot goes wide. Brandau gets the ball on the restart. and It looked like the, the UMass defender wasn't even, like, set. Uh, and it was a quick restart. And I think he thought they were gonna settle down, but they didn't. As Brand out he's like, plays his stick. I got ball. I got ball. Tell the left. Blow the fucking whistle. Once that whistle blows, he sprints to GLE. Is able to get it, and, and you see the late reaction there from the from the defenseman to get in place, and he eventually does. Brando gets takes some contact, creates separation, just turns around and stings it right past Matt Note and Cage, and uh, that's a final. <clears throat> 13-12, Yale over UMass in overtime, another exciting one there. Uh, this game, neither team ever got up more than two after Yale answered that early UMass uh, four-goal run there. Uh, with three of their own in the second quarter, so like after that little run that UMass had early on in the game, there was never more than a two goal lead in this one, and uh, you know Gabriel Prosek off a of John Allen feed forced overtime with three thirteen left in regulation. That was the third tie in the fourth quarter alone, fourth tie in the second half overall. So this was a tight, tight game uh, really throughout. Neither team able to ever fully sustain that momentum, Um, and and it ends just as you would expect a game like that to end in overtime. And, uh, you know, Matt Brandau had a fantastic game, seven points on the day, four goals That game-winner was his fourth of the day. He also had three three assists as well. Strong day for him again. Jared Parquette, 18 saves in cage. Facing down to UMass offense, put 30 of its 45 shots on cage. Nicholas Ramsey dominates the faceoff dot 58%. For UMass sick, four goals on the day, um, there to lead them, including that overtime forcing score late in the fourth. Last game, or next game, I should say, to go over here, Maryland topping Notre Dame in that ACC, or, excuse me, NCAA quarterfinals rematch. Uh, Maryland head back to the ACC. <laughs> no uh NCAA quarterfinals rematch. And th- this was a, a, a back and forth battle neck and neck, really the entire way. Um uh, and look Luke Widerman dominates the dot seventy five percent. You see the, the, the Irish that they, they end strong Outscoring Maryland five to three in the final twenty three twenty five of the game, but it 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 wasn't enough. Kyle Long gets his second of the day off of Jonathan Donville feed. That ends it, uh, and <clears throat> to put Maryland back up eleven to nine for the win in this one with just under five minutes remaining. Notre Dame only got one set possession in the final minutes of the game. It ends with a Pat Kavanaugh shot hitting the post. Chris Kavanaugh gets the uh, rebound, but then immediately has a turnover there, and Maryland is able to run things out. Irish had 18 uh, turnovers on the day, only nine of which were caused. uh, Really, a, a day in which. Both sides here, both had 18 turnovers. Uh, Both sides played a pretty fairly even game in in really every respect besides Luke Weidman's dominance at the dot. And you you could tell this was going to come down to who was able to get that last shot, who was able to get that last goal, who was able to get that last run. It was a a just back-and-forth battle trading punches all game long, these two were. And, <clears throat> you know, Maryland, they were able to make it uh, a, an 8-4 to four game with 13-18 left in the third. Um, but as I mentioned, like the Irish, they end strong, and they cut it to a one-goal game 10-9. to nine. Like this game, if really Notre Dame had the momentum in this one in the end, and if it's not for that Kyle Long uh, goal, if that doesn't go past Intamin, Notre Dame easily takes this one down and gets off another one and ties this thing up. It was exactly what you thought from these two teams what it would be exactly like the semi uh the quarterfinals matchup a year ago was and it doesn't end the same in the sense that it was a overtime win for maryland but it ends in the same way as in just like 10 months before maryland walks out of south bend exhaling very deeply uh because this one could have easily gone the the other way shows exactly why both these teams are top five teams in the country and shows exactly what like and 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 you look at it last week from Notre Dame and and for me the biggest takeaway here was I thought Maryland was going to win I didn't know how big I thought it'd be pretty close and it was big takeaway for me is Notre Dame was able to rebound from what they did against Georgetown last week and almost came away with a win over the top team of the country. That shows you last week, well yes, if if, if they let those face off woes haunt them and really hinder them, they can lose. And they can get down very, very uh, big and have to rely on their defense, on their offense to get them back in the game. I think the Irish would rather just have their defense, have their offense, have, those six, have that six-on-six play speak for itself and not have to use that as a way to bail out their face-off guys. And like I say all the time, If you have a solid defense, which Notre Dame does, you can counter your face-off woes, And they did that to an extent today. Uh, But too many mistakes in the middle of the field really is what made this game go for Maryland. Um, In this one, Maryland, I've said before, I don't know what holes they have. I, I I really don't, and I think we saw that again today, where they didn't play a perfect game by any stretch, but they're able to hold off a fierce opponent like Notre Dame coming back there in the second half, and as I said, Kyle Long doesn't make that shot. Notre Dame gets possession, goes down the field. This is easily a, a a game that could have headed into overtime. Easily a game that could have gone the way of the Irish. So another exciting one there between these two. We also had a, an exciting one down in Chapel Hill, and I I did not watch this one, but. Um, Chris Gray, sock trick. I saw the final three minutes of this one when I saw it's tied up. Let's see how this one goes. Um, Chris Gray, sock trick. There, six goals on the day. He also had two assists as well. Another strong outing from him. And uh, they win 17-16. He is the game winner. And... Carolina ends the game on a three-goal run. Chris Gray is involved in each of those goals, assisting Nikki Solomon, and then he scored the final two, uh, as I just mentioned with the final one, but he scored the one before that also as they are able to come back in this one and win. <clears throat> this is a game in which you saw the Heels the tall heels rattle off seven consecutive goals, including two from Chris Gray and Mickey Solomon each during that run, to get ahead twelve to six midway through the third quarter, and that run was from like the early in the second half, or late in the second in the in the first half, through like the midway point in the third, and they're able to kind of pull away. it it appears, but then Denver turns around and does almost exactly the same thing. They held Carolina to two goals from the 9-0-2 mark, from the end of that Carolina run to the 9-0-2 mark in the fourth, Pioneers get ten of their own. You get 10 ten two run. Jump back ahead sixteen fourteen. Credit to the Carolina defense able to hold the Denver offense at bay for the final you know five or so minutes of this game. As uh final nine minutes of this game, I should say. And Carolina offense, they they, they get what they will. Um this was Alex kisses day at the dot, 57% for Denver. You don't see Tucci play very well. Um, really not a good game for the Carolina faceoff unit. Um, and again, I didn't watch this one, so I'm going to have to go back and watch this one <clears throat> tonight to get some more input on that. But um, Carolina... From what I saw, looked strong in the end, and uh, they're the ones to take this one. Virginia, oh, let's go with this one real quick. Rutgers escapes Stony Brook. Um, I, I got to tell you, Stony Brook, they got to be a top 20 team this week. Got to be. Uh, Look, they were told, can't play in the American East uh, tournament because you're leaving us. What do they do? They answer by playing a heck of a season so far. Um and they almost take down Rutgers. 17-16 win for the Scarlet Knights. Two goals, three assists for Mitch Bartolo, four goals, one assist for Ross uh, Scott, Shane Knobloch, three goals, two assists as well. They the, look Stony Brook, you have Rems Conlin, dominate at the faceoff dot, 24 for 20 mark, a 20 for 24 mark there in the game. And then you have a 24 for 35 mark, I should say, uh, it, it, it is what it was. And then Anthony Palmer, 16 saves on the day. Uh, really, really good performance from Stony Brook. Rutgers was able to get ahead 17-12. And they kind of seemingly took control there late in the second half. But Stony Brook, uh, and this was a game that saw five ties in the first three periods. But Stony Brook comes back in this one, answers a four-goal run there to end this game and get within one of the Scarlet Knights. They're never never able to get over the hump as Rutgers takes the win, but uh really, really impressive battle there from Anthony Garaldi's Stony Brook Sea Wolves. Penn and uh well Penn is the Cardiac Quakers once again. Um Penn, again, does not do very well at the faceoff dot. Hudson Bond goes 12, 12 for 21 for Penn State. but uh, and, and this is a Penn State team that I think is a lot better than what we saw early on this season. As we get towards the mid, middle portion of the season, they get better. Uh, so credit to them in this one. But a 10-9 win for Penn over Penn State. James Shipley with the game winner. No, no team ever got more than a two-goal uh, lead in this one. And, yeah, th- things all knotted up at two at the end of the first. And then it's a 5-4 pen halftime lead, 8-7 lead, heading into the final period of play for Penn. And, you know, Mark Sickler, his third of the game, Ties things up again at nine late in the contest. James Shipley calls game. I thought both these defenses played very well in this one. Really holding each other's each each other's offenses at bay. Um and, and Penn comes out on top in this one. Uh and, and at the last second as well. Like this was going to overtime. James Shipley finds a lane <clears throat> to get a shot off. Gets it off there uh, with one second left. It goes in the cage. And uh, the Quakers get the win. Really, a really evenly matched game here as well. Had a lot of back and forth, game of runs, evenly matched games today. And this was just another one. Um, Dylan Gergaard, four goals for Penn. Sam Hanley had himself a hat trick. Patrick Birkinshaw, 14 saves. And Cage, Um, again, Penn is able to get some opportunities in transition, but I thought Penn State's D did his best of a job as I've seen handling that transition offense um, outside of Georgetown. So credit to them for that, but uh, the Quakers come out on top in that one. Virginia, 19. Johns Hopkins, 8. The Doyle Smith Cup, Goes to Virginia. Um, I'm not even going to talk about this one. I flipped this on um, <clears throat> for a second. Flipped it right back off. Uh, Connor Schellenberger, eight points in this one. Three goals, five assists. Peyton Cormier had himself a sock trick. Cole Kastner, five of turnovers, two ground balls, and had a goal. Um, Matthew Noons had nine saves in the time that he played. Um, dominant game for Virginia. Dominant game. Uh, no need to talk about anything else. Embarrassing loss for Johns Hopkins. Embarrassing. Uh, and, and Hopkins fans, y'all should be disgusted. Absolutely disgusted. Just as Syracuse fans should be disgusted what happened on Wednesday. Some other things to touch on here. Michigan, after getting down 3-0 early, trounces Delaware 18-8. Five-point game from Josh Wada, That helps him break the Michigan single-season points record in the first week in March, which is insane. (coughs) Duke beats Richmond 14-8. Mike Sisselberger 82% 82 percent at the dot to help Lehigh get past Navy 11 to nine. Ross Blumenthal, 20 saves to help Drexel past LIU 10 to eight. Nolting had six points, one goal, five assists, and high points 15 to four, trouncing of Asher Nolting enters the 300 point club, one of 18 players in Division One will cost to do so. Congratulations, sir. Brown comes to life in the second half. Beach rival Providence 22-10. They will be fighting for the Ocean State Cup in late April when they play Bryant, who also trounced Providence uh, a few weeks back. Excuse me. Dartmouth held off a second-half effort from Siena to win 11-9. Dartmouth-Vermont on Tuesday night. Going to be an interesting game. Boston U is a wagon. Moves to 4-0 with a dominant 18-6 to win over Colgate. Let's check here. Any other scores, games to go over? Vermont 16-6 to over uh, Bryant is a notable one there. It seems the Catamounts have found the mojo once again. Uh, Let's see. Any others here? Oh, Robert Morris, congratulations to uh, Craig McDonald getting his first win as the head coach at Romo as they beat <clears throat> Mosa 13-11 to on the road. Uh, and do want to give a shout-out. This was a, uh, before we do that, Villanova, 8-6. They hold uh, Hofstra scoreless in the final period of play there. Uh, good win for Villanova. Comeback victory in that one as well. Uh, any others here? St. John's beats Manhattan, 9-7. to Didn't necessarily see that one coming, uh, so congratulations there. And I think that's about... Oh. Loyola. They got their first win, 14 12 over Lafayette. Um, And look, guys, not what we expected from Loyola to open the season, but it seems like they're starting to find their way. Um, They're 1 4 now. They've got Duke next week. I I, I don't know how that one's going to go. I think they're probably going to lose that one, but. You look Bucknell, Holy Cross, Navy, and Colgate. Like I, you, you gotta think there's a win in there if you can beat Boston, U, beat Lehigh, beat Army. That that'll go a long way. I don't see them beating Georgetown, um, in that late season non conference game. But um, look, it seems like they're finding their way, slowly but surely. Um, don't think they'll be as good as they many expected them to be but including myself um but they're finding their way. Hollywood beats Fairfield sixteen to twelve. Very weird one there. Um St Joe's fifteen to ten over Monmouth. And that <clears throat> about does it for today's action. Uh as I mentioned do you want to Give a shout-out, Friday night, VMI upsets Mount St. Mary's 8-7. to seven. Um, This is the first win for VMI over Mount St. Mary's since the 2000s. And it's the first time since 2019 that they've won two games in a season. So, uh, congratulations, Coach Popola and those guys. They're uh, good win for VMI on Friday night. And as we wrap up this podcast, uh, people are crying there in Cameron Indoor Stadium as uh, Coach K goes out with a 94-81 to 18, 81 loss against North Carolina. Congratulations, Tar Heels. You did it on the lacrosse field and the basketball court in the same day. That is all for today's episode. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll <clears throat> go over Sunday's games as well as re, uh, preview some of those exciting Tuesday and midweek matchups. As well, as always, you can catch us at LaCosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, LaCrosseBucket.com, where it's always LaCrosse Season.